Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. times of the body of Christ, when we get together, we ought to get up and say, you know, Jesus has done this for me. Now, I don't mean what he did 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 20. What has he done this past week in your life that you just like to praise him in 200 words or less? I always say that because some people, let's face it, they go on and on and on. But if you'd like to give that testimony this morning, stand up right now and give that testimony. And I'll give David a little bit of time here. Whatever he's doing. You mean nobody in this room wants to give a testimony? Somebody else like to give a testimony this morning. Amen, amen. Somebody else this morning. <laughs> he, all done, David? Let's thank David. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Amen, amen. Somebody else, come on. You know, if we don't praise him, these very pews are going to break forth into praise. Amen. Anybody else this morning? Amen. And it's JP, right? I got it. Okay. Somebody else.
Amen. 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 Anybody else this morning? You know, I couldn't help but think as you were speaking and giving your testimonies of this word from God that comes right out of the book of Malachi. And I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but I want to share this word anyways. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Guess what you've been doing? Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. Wow! Isn't that a big wow this morning? And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. That happened this morning. Didn't that just happen? Isn't that exciting to see that we help fulfill scripture this morning by our testimonies? Oh, this is, this is tremendous. And the Lord listened. You know, when I was talking to some of the ladies before the service, some of them uh, told me that they were ready to listen. And I told them I'd never had anyone in 50 years ever listen to me before. And that would be a new thing. But isn't it good to listen to the Lord? I, you know, some, sometimes in our prayers we say, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. But there's a time to be still and to know he's God. There's a time to listen. And that kind of, you know, this morning as I've watched you folks and listened to you folks, even in the short time I've been here, I looked at what I was going to ask you this morning, and I think I'm missing something. See, I had a question for you this morning. Here it is. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? I have to ask myself that question once in a while. I say, Dave, are you teachable? You know, we can be so set in our ways at times that we're not teachable. And I ask myself, is my mind and my heart ready to learn in Jesus Christ? Do I want to learn everything I can possibly learn? And you know, I really believe we can learn to the very last day we walk on the earth, and boy, are we going to learn after that. And I ask myself, Am I ready to learn? I remember when I was taking educational courses half a century ago, it dates me, that they said that a person who wants to learn when they are ready to learn, and the readiness comes when you're intellectually ready, when in your, your mind and your heart you're ready, when your physical body's ready, and they gave a whole list of things that proved that you're ready to learn. <clears throat> well, my body ain't like it used to be. My mind forgets things now that I've got 70-plus years on me. But I have to tell you this. I want to know everything I can about the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day I search him out. And I, going along with this question, are, are we teachable? I want to ask you something. How is your heart today? We've had wonderful testimony. But how's your heart today? How was it before you came to church? Is it getting a little bit better and feeling better as you've been here? But what would it be like at the end of church, at the end of the day? How is your heart right now? Is your heart teachable to love the unlovely? 
Is your heart teachable to, to, to love those who, who, who stand against you? That's hard sometimes. And I had another part of that question, are you teachable? Did you rest last night before you came to church today or were you on the go so much that you were just exhausted this morning and you're not teachable this morning because you can barely keep your eyes open? Are you teachable? You know, a lot of things we do determines if we're teachable. And then I had another part of that question, and I think this is the most important part. Well, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's one of them. Have you been in the presence of God and filled with the Holy Spirit this week? Wow. Wow. I love the presence of God. We've been experiencing it this morning. That music, David, when you guys started that music, and where's our other song later? Where'd she go to sit? Did she skip out? Okay, I'm sure she's around somewhere. I just can't pick, picture where she's at. Is she in here right now? Oh, okay, I didn't see you. are way back there by JP. But you know, when you guys sang that first song, I felt like I was just being drawn in the presence of God. But you know what? I was already in the presence of God. Because at home, I had not only looked at what I wanted to say today, but I was home, and I, I turned on the music, and I began to sing before the Lord. I began to listen to the words, and they, they were touching me. And the presence of God is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, this morning, I want to talk about the presence of God. Father, as we come into this moment of sermon, would you make your face shine upon us? We are your servants, Lord. Would you help us to be teachable in the workings of Christ in the Holy Spirit? Father, as we come into this place, we know the righteousness of your testimonies are everlasting. What you say in your word is forever. Give us understanding that we might live better, abundantly in you. And Father, in Jesus' name, we cry out to you this morning in a whole heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two weeks ago, when I was with you, I made this statement that what the church needs most is the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon every one of us. I truly believe, unless the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on the body of Christ, we are not even a church. I believe that we are the most unique organization the world has ever seen because we are ordained by God to be the church, the called out ones of Christ. And God wants to pour his Holy Spirit out on us. I think that's wonderful. Every day, I long for the Spirit of God to come and touch my soul. Do you ever feel that way in your life? You get tired of everything else that's going on, but you just want to experience Jesus Christ. I believe that in order to really experience Jesus, we have to understand exactly what the gospel message is. And the gospel message is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
where Paul writes to the Corinthians, and by the way, they weren't all bad. Sometimes when we look at the book of Corinthians, we look at them and say, look at all the problems they have. And I always remember that old poem that says, oh, to be with the church in heaven, oh, that will be glory to be with the church on earth. That's another story. But you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul makes it very clear that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins. That is the basic of the gospel. Not only that, he was dead when he was on that cross. They killed him on that cross. You and I, because of our sins, killed the Messiah. You and I, because of our sins, killed the Christ. You and I, because of our sins, drove Jesus to go to Jerusalem, and no one could keep him away from Jerusalem, and he knew the cross was before him, and he died on the cross as a punishment for our sins. You remember that moment on the cross when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that had to be the most hideous moment of all creation. When the loving father looked at his son and placed our sins on him and it broke his heart and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's broken. The Bible tells us of a dark time on the earth. The sun was refusing to shine. And I, no matter what, how we look at that, I sometimes think in my own heart, it must have been a moment that was so gruesome that even God hid the actual, what he looked like at that moment and what he was going through totally from us. In many, well, in many ways, he hid it from us. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, that he was crucified for us. He went to the cross. But it also says he was buried. He was dead. But then it tells us three days later, he rose from the grave in his own power, in the power of his father. He rose from the dead, and he's alive right now. But that's not the end of the gospel story. Not only have we been forgiven, but he has done something even beyond our comprehension. The very spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has been given to us. Isn't that beautiful when you think about it? We have the Holy Spirit of God. Right after the cross and the resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples for 40 days. Can you imagine those 40 days with Jesus? Boy, they'd be the best Sunday school class you ever went to. They'd be the best morning worship you'd ever been to. Can you imagine what it'd be like to be his disciples, to know he died on the cross and he's been resurrected, and there he is, you're in a room together, you're waiting for the 10.30 hour to come when worship is supposed to begin, and he pops in. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. He's just there, and he comes in his power. And as he comes, he begins to tell them what Christ had to suffer through the songs of the prophets and the law of Moses. And I can imagine as he's telling them this, they feel like they're just being drawn in, gripped. They, 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 they can't avoid the moment. They, they know that who he is. He is God's son, the son of God. And he's saying right there, and what he's saying is piercing their heart. 
Wow, that must have been some time. And yet, you know what? That happens to us when the Holy Spirit speaks, doesn't it? And then he turns to his disciples, and, and, and there comes this moment 40 days after the cross and resurrection that they gather together on a mountain, and he says, I'm going back to the Father. He's already told him he has to go back. Because as long as he's in the world, as long as he's standing there in front of them, he is really just in one place in human flesh. And God's purpose is for Jesus not to be just in one place, but through the Holy Spirit, he's to be anywhere in the world at any believer at any time doing his work. That means he could be with my friend Anel Solanke, who lives in India. Or some of my friends who have lived in Taiwan and other places around the world, or Mexico. I have a dear uh, sister in the Lord who was in my youth group many, many moons ago, who's in Mexico, a missionary through, or, uh, through World Gospel Mission. He can be anywhere at the same time by the working of the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing about the working of the Holy Spirit, he knits us together as one body. We are not all that is encompassed when we think of what the church is. We are just one part of a bigger body that the Lord gave. And you remember that as he goes back to heaven, they're looking up and they're watching him go up. Wouldn't that be, that, that kind of gets you, wouldn't it? And suddenly two men stand beside them. Some people look at that and say, well, they were angels. I don't think so. I think they were Moses and Elijah. Like the transfiguration, it says men, but that's my personal thing. But as they're going up, they said, why are you gazing up there? This same Jesus is coming back. He's coming back in the same way. He went up into heaven, into the clouds. He's coming back that way. And we're very close to that, aren't we? We're very close to the return. The church age is almost over. But before he goes, they, were, they asked him some questions, and he says, you've got to restore the kingdom of Israel. And he says, now listen to me, listen to me, and listen carefully, he says to them. He said, you stay in Jerusalem. Don't you leave Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, you're going to stay there until the promise of the Father is given. They knew what that promise was going to be, but they didn't know what it was going to be like. He had already breathed on them in the book of John, and they got a portion of it. But, but by the time he gets to, to the book of Acts, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. Now, Cindy Shomo back there, she lives in the othermost parts of the earth. She lives up in green. But this is, our, this is our Jerusalem here. This is our Jerusalem here. And he says to me, and you shall receive power. Now, I'm kind of stubborn at times. But my wife is wrong. I'm not that stubborn. But I, sometimes the Lord has to say, David, get this through your thick skull. You ever said that to your children? If you didn't, you wanted to probably. You wanted to wring their neck. There's times like that. But for me, walking with Jesus, there are times he says, David, listen to me. I love you, David, but listen to me. I got something important to say to you, David. And I'll say, what is it? Now, the question really isn't, are, are you 
teachable at that point, but are you even listening when the Lord speaks to you? And he says to these, this, this rambunctious group of guys he's gathered together, who he loves deeply, who have been with him through thick and thin, and he said, don't you leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father has come. And he leaves. And you can just picture the next 10 days before Pentecost. There they are. They're gathering together like we have this morning. And they're waiting for the promise of the Father to come. Nothing the scripture says that they knew was going to come on Pentecost. I, I don't, they may have guessed it. They may have been known it. I don't know. But I do know this. They knew Jesus was about to do something that was beyond their understanding at the time. Has Jesus ever done those things with you? You prayed and you prayed about this situation and that situation, and you wonder, Lord, where are you and all this? And all of a sudden, he does something that's totally different than what you expected and even better. And so they've gathered and they're waiting. They're gathering together. They, they do some business. They uh, select somebody to take Judas's place. And, and they join the apostles and things like that. They're gathered. They're in one accord. You know, if we want the pouring of the Holy Spirit to take place, uh, we must, there's some things that must happen. We must believe he will do it. We must believe that. If I don't believe he's going to make a difference on Sunday morning, why am I bothering even coming to church? Right. If I don't believe he's here, why am I here? This, this could be any organization, YMCA, Red Cross, whatever. But I really believe that the church is God-ordained. Let me say that again. The church, the champion church of the Nazarene is God-ordained. Wow. I also believe that when we come into this place, the grace of God is so great that whatever he decides to do on a Sunday morning is highly intelligent. More intelligent than me. I'm not that intelligent. I also believe that whatever he does is sufficient in my life. Now, there's times I, I say, Lord, I, I, I need help. I need have you ever noticed how sometimes he takes his time answering? Does that ever bother anybody? Come on, Lord, let's get him moving. Oh, yeah, it's been that way for generations and generations. But you know what? What he does is sufficient. He knows what he's doing. I see another thing about his grace that's very important when we gather together. It's irresistible. His grace is totally irresistible. I mean, when the Holy Spirit begins to move among the congregation, it's irresistible. It's going to force one or two things to happen in the life of every person who's in this room within the hearing of the pastor or the music or the testimony who are here in the presence where God is. It's going to cause one or two things. One of the things are going to say, you, need, you will make a divine yes to the Lord or you will make a divine no to the Lord. Amen? And people make yeses and they make no. And I'm so thankful to hear the testimonies this morning. It tells me of the yeses that have been made in this place and other places that have brought you here today, not by accident, but by the movement of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus says to them, don't leave Jerusalem. 
He said, you're going to receive power. Now, let me explain that a little bit. This is, you know, men like power. Women like power. I've seen it in pastoral ministry for years and years, people wanting power that they haven't been given by God. Haven't you seen that too? I've seen it. It's sad. It's sad. But the power that he's talking about comes from a Greek word called didymus. That's the word in Greek. You know where we get that word from? We take that word didymus and we translate it many times in our own general language to the word dynamite. Dynamite. Didymus, dynamite. Now think about that for just a minute. The Holy Spirit's coming is a huge, explosive event. Now, it's not an event where he destroys everything that we call human and right and such, but it is an implosive event that inside he changes us. Isn't that beautiful when you think about it? My friend Frank Willoughby, who was the pastor at the Hubbard Church about 20 years ago, had a sermon. I was listening. And boy, he got right between my eyes. Now, he didn't know he was doing that to me, but I knew he was doing that to me. He said, there's two things the Holy Spirit does when he comes into our lives and, and when he fills us full and he gives us this baptism of the Spirit. He says, first thing he does, he cleanses us from all sin. See, we have this urge to keep sinning. We still fight that in many ways. And I love that scripture in 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That cleansing's an ongoing thing. He cleanses us. He makes us clean. When was the last time you thought about that in, in your own life where you said, man, I'm clean. Wow, that, that's a statement. You find it's kind of, it's hard to say that humbly. I'm clean, but we are clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. The other thing that Pastor Willoughby said that day, he says, and he empowers us to live a holy life. So here are the disciples. They don't know all that's going to happen when this great event takes place. They just know we will stay here in obedience to Jesus and when that day comes whenever it comes, we will experience something like we've never experienced before. What he told us about before he was taken away in John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 about the helper that's coming, we will experience that. But they had no idea what it was all about yet. They hadn't experienced it. See, there are people who talk about the baptism of the Spirit or sanctification or heart holiness or the purity of heart experience and they look at it, and they have no idea how to define it because they've never experienced it. But Jesus offers these things. And notice, here in Acts chapter 1, not only does he offer, he tells them they're going to get it. Boy, that's something. He says, you're going to get it, and you shall be witnesses for me. There's a purpose behind the witness of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the witness of the Holy Spirit on your heart is through the cleansing and the empowerment of the Spirit, you'll be witnesses to this world around us who needs it so desperately. Our world is dark. Our world is in rebellion against Almighty God. Has been since Adam and Eve 
sinned in the garden. And by the way, as we get closer to the end, in these last days, as scoffers come along and governments try to pull down the things that God has established, and there is a, a target aimed at the church, let me tell you, it will get worse. But we receive power. We, you know what? He says, you stay in Jerusalem. This is just dawning on me. Hmm. We need to stay in Jerusalem at times all over again and be still before God. What happens when you're still before God? You've got to be listening. For some of us, that, that's hard. I, I have a hard time sitting still. Well, not so much anymore. I'm getting old. But <laughs> yeah, I can see it in you too. But notice here, when we get still before Almighty God, we listen. And when we listen, we become teachable. And as we become teachable, hopefully we become obedient to what the Spirit wants. In chapter 2 of the book of Acts. You know, a number of years ago, in fact, I was still in green at the time. I took out my Bible. I had a Bible that had a good wide margin. I, I, I put notes in my, my Bible. I, I have a thing I'm doing now uh, for my kids and grandkids. I got two great grandkids, another, uh, two great grands, and another one coming. And I, I, I don't know when the Lord's coming. Did I tell you this last week or two weeks ago? I don't know when the Lord's coming. But I have put a, a bin aside. I, I got plastic bins. And each, in each one of those bins, I give them a Bible, that, and I write in their personal things to them, and I mark it up. This one's going to, to my uh, grandson, Trent. And it takes me about six months to a year to do this. So it takes some time, and I leave a Bible for them. With, and it says in, in the front, it says, I'm leaving this Bible to you because you need it for one thing, and you need to learn it. And then I give them a brand new one exactly like this one. So if the Lord takes me in the rapture and he's not taken, he can, he can, he can uh, find that bin at my house just walking in and he can open it up and say, hey, Grandpa left me a message. That's kind of neat. Or here's the other part of the plan. If I croak, I mean, if I die, <laughs> we don't say croak in church, but if I die before the rapture, it's my will and I, I'm asking my family to honor it, that these bins for every one of my family be brought to the funeral, and at the funeral, they're handed to each person. That's pretty powerful. If nothing else, they'll remember how important the Word of God is. Now, that takes time, because I've got seven grandchildren, uh, counting the one that's coming, three great-grandchildren, three kids of my own, their spouses. It's taken a number of years to be putting this together, and I probably have another two or three to go. So I'm hoping, that kind of tells me i got another two or three years up here. But anyways, what was I saying? Anyways, uh, there comes the day of Pentecost. They've been praying. They've been meeting together. They are in anticipation. Let me ask you something. What happens when we come together on a Sunday morning and we are in anticipation of the Spirit of God moving? Somebody got to answer that? What happens when we really believe God is about to move? 
He does not disappoint. His Holy Spirit does not disappoint. When we want fellowship with him, when we want to be in Christ, when we want to be as close as we can get, he does not disappoint. The love of God is poured out on us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we experience Jesus. Can you think of anything more wonderful than that? And on the day of Pentecost, they come together. Can you just picture that moment? We don't know how long they were there in the room. We have no idea. They gather. They have been used to Jesus appearing, but for 10 days, he hasn't been appearing like that. But they've been having these prayer meetings and things like that. I, I have a feeling those prayer meetings were out, literally out of this world. Don't you love those kind of prayer meetings? Oh, I hate prayer that's just so rote. Lord, bless Aunt Susie, who's got a cold. Well, I'm glad we can pray for Aunt Susie. But I love it when we get together believing God's going to do some things. Oh, it makes a difference. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, said Jesus. Of course, it's according to his will. And it's always better than what we think. <laughs> I'm praying for salvation for a lot of people in my family especially, who are not walking with Jesus, and it's obvious. I'm fighting on my knees and in my heart for their souls. And when we come together in a prayer meeting and we get beyond, well, so-and-so has a cold. That's good. Lord, why don't we just make it simple? Lord, there's a lot of people in the church who are down ill. Will you just bring healing to them and comfort them and really believe that? But let's add to it. But Lord... There's Alyssa over here who needs you. There's Kylie over here who needs you, Father. And they're in the grip of Satan because of what they're doing in their lives. Oh, Lord, turn them around as only your blood can do because your blood cleanses from all sin. It's powerful. There's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Or, or we look at them and say, my grandson, He's breaking my heart by what he's done. But Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord of everything. And Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I ask that you break down those stinking barriers. And we fight for their souls. Most, I think most of our, our praying in the church, and I've seen this for years, it's not for souls to know Christ, but it's just for other things. Lord, I got a car payment coming. I need help. Yeah, I do. But guess what? The most important thing is I'm going to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Lord, show me what to do, not what to say, what not to say. Tell me how to live. Lord, if it's not me that will lead him to you, Lord, would you do this? Send someone and believe it's going to be done. See, the difference between saying, I, oh, I know God can do those things. It's another thing in faith saying, I know he's doing those things. Did you, did you hear me? There's a difference there. I know he can. I know he is. There's a big difference there. I'm so thankful for some people in my life that have come to the Lord. My mother, I led her to the Lord three weeks before she died of cancer. She really didn't want anything to do with it until she was broken. You don't know what God's doing to put them in a position that they'll listen. My dad was a week before he died. You know, my dad once told me, he said, he said, when I told him I was going off to seminary, he said, you won't get any help from me. 
He told me that straight out. He never did. There was no inheritance or anything. But you know what? A week before he died, I laid him a price. Was it worth it? You better believe it. Because we're looking at eternal things. We have an inheritance that God has given to each one of us, who is Jesus Christ. He's the focal point. And notice, on that day of Pentecost, there they are. I think they were already in prayer. And then it, this is what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Ooh, that's us this morning. Oh, that's us this morning. You know, I told you what grace does, but there's something else about grace you need to know. It's active. The grace of God is active. It doesn't sit back and do nothing. God is never in the need to be still. God is always active. Now, we may not see what he's doing, but let me tell you something. He's at work. And notice here, he says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, oh, don't you love that word, suddenly? Pop. Suddenly. Instantly. Were they in anticipation? I think so. But suddenly, the whole climate of the church changed as they gathered together. The whole atmosphere was permeated with the grace and the love and the mercy and the justice of God. That comes from the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the split image of God himself. And suddenly, it says, there came a sound from heaven. Hmm. Are you ready to hear a sound from heaven? Oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I've been hearing it all morning by the presence of the Lord being here. Those songs this morning stirred me. They did. Much more than they did last week. You know, there are, there are seasons for these things. Some weeks, yeah. Some weeks, maybe not so good. But you know what? I, I came tuned for God today. As you came tuned for God today. And when those songs came out, man, I was being lifted in his presence, and his presence was coming down on us all. Notice also it says here, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind. Powerful. Hurricane force. The void in this world. The void in this world. For the darkness is around us. And the darkness cannot comprehend the light. But the, in the midst of the darkness, suddenly this tornado appears in the room. Comes in the room. It's a rushing mighty wind. Not an earthly tornado but a tornado, a hurricane force of the spirit of the living God coming upon them. Oh, Lord, I want it. I want more of that. It's already happened. I know at Pentecost it's happened, but boy, I long for more of Jesus. I really struggled in the last few years where to go to church. I have. Since I left the pastor, it's been a struggle. You know, when I was in the pastor, I could preach. I was doing what God wanted me to do. But suddenly, I realized I can't find in any church I've been to what I'm really looking for. Now, that doesn't sound awful. And then I discovered something, what I was really looking for. I was looking for only what heaven can give me. Only what heaven can give me. 
And I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. Being with that group of people, a number so great you can't tell, tell how many there are, a number, a numeral number, the, the great assembly of God. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be out of this world. It really is. I'm looking forward to that. But until then, I want to be part of my body of Christ where I go normally, and I want to do what I can do, but I want more. How about you? How about you? Now, notice this also. It says this. I want to finish this up. Don't want to keep you too long today. Your pot roast might, you know, get burnt. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Picture it. Pentecost fills the whole house. They're in a room. Probably not as nice looking as this. But you know what? Looks can be deceiving. If Jesus is there, that's the best place to be. And you can find Jesus in some unusual spots. My first church I ever pastored 50-some years ago, about 50 years ago, I guess, not quite 50. I preached for over 50 years. But there was a lady in the church, a precious lady, older lady. I don't know why ladies get so much more precious as they get older, right, JP? Oh, he didn't hear me. But you know what? Mrs. Hall one day took me aside. She said, I got to tell you something. She says, with all the kids at home, well, I guess she wasn't that old. She, yeah, she just got the kids out of the house. But she said, when, when the kids were young, she said, I couldn't find a place to be alone with Jesus. You ever know that feeling? Wherever you go, they, they, they follow you, precious little one. She said, but I had an empty cistern outside my house. And every day I would get a ladder, I would climb down in that cistern and spend time with the Lord. Man, that blew my mind. I've never forgotten that story. How many of us who go down an empty, you know, there's spiders down there. And there's all kinds of things down there. I'm not sure I would, but she would go down there and she would spend time with the Lord. And she was a dear saint. We need to find a place to be with the Lord. And when we're with the Lord privately, we can experience the Holy Spirit of God. And when we're together like this, this moment, suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes. He begins to move around the room. It's like nothing we've ever experienced before. We are in the presence of Almighty God. He moves around the room and the sins that we have carried that we've been confessing since Jesus rose from the dead and whatever else the Lord revealed to us about our own character, guess what happens? We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. My friends, we need that in the church today. Wherever I go, I see an absence of the Holy Spirit among God, people who call themselves God. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is not in the church. It's not a church. You can go to some denominations. They have no idea what the Holy Spirit is all about. I do know this. I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit every single day. I can remember back when I was at Green. I can remember a day, and I told you about this last time, where I knew I was baptized in the fullness of the Spirit. And every one of us need that. We call entire sanctification, cleansing. 
empowerment, and it was a hard, hard time in my life as a pastor. But God knew what he was doing. God knew he's on the throne, I'm not, I need to submit to him. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. The Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He will help us to do that. It's not he might, he will. God is faithful in everything he does. And on that day of Pentecost, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? Cloven tongues came among them. I can't even imagine that. But I can't imagine this. They were filled. Now, notice what it didn't say. They weren't partially filled. They weren't a little bit filled. They were fully filled. They were filled to the top with God. You want to energize your life? You want to have a new perspective on your life? If you want to really be teachable in your life before God, let me tell you something. Listen to what I've been saying and seek the Spirit of God for your life with a fervency that nothing else matters. You know, I reached a point in my life, I said, Lord, I'd rather be dead than not have your Holy Spirit in his fullness. That's the way I felt. I felt like the whole world had crumbled before me. But you know what? God honored that. You have to, here's the, here's the way it goes. Consecration. You give yourself to the Lord completely. And then you seek. And you stay seeking until you receive. And there comes a moment by faith that the Holy Spirit is poured out on you in a fuller way. I'm not, I would never be satisfied with the amount of the Spirit of God that I had when I first came to know Christ. That's a long time ago. But he's been filling me ever since. I'm not the same person. I want to be more of a reflection of Jesus. And sometimes I'm not very good at it, but I, 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 I go right back to my knees. I confess my sin. He cleanses me, and we go on. And more and more, I want to be conformed to his image. How about you? So let me ask you the final question. Are you teachable to God? You won't be teachable without the Holy Spirit helping you. You know, in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe these things. I'm not telling you something our, our denomination does not believe. We believe in holiness. But you can't have holiness apart from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has to indwell you. Amen? Father, we have come to the end of the message. Now it's time for the altar. Father, it's time to open our hearts up in a way that we've never done before and ask you to give us more of you. Father, we're sick and tired of business as usual. Father, we're sick and tired of the mundane things of this world. What we want is you. Father, I ask, we ask, as the body of Christ, that you would fill everyone in this room with the Holy Spirit in a fullness that we have never seen or enjoyed before. For some, it may be the first time they've ever experienced your fullness, Father. For others, it would be a thing that, that they've experienced many times and they just want more of you, God. Father, we know the time's short. 
We know in heaven everyone will be full of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to wait for heaven. We want it now. We want this instant. Yes, we do. We're impatient, Father. And we know you've got things to work in our lives. But, Father, would you pour it out now on your people? For we ask it in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are there any this morning who really want personal prayer for more of God? Put your hand up in the air if you feel that way. Yeah. They're all over, all over. We prayed this morning. God never, ever lies. We've asked, now we receive. Search him out. When you go home today, it's not a matter of going home and turning the TV on. That, you know what my mom used to call that? The idiot box. The idiot box. And I believe she was right on that. And I call it that too. It's not a time to go do this and that. Maybe Sunday afternoon with your nap and everything else, it ought to be a time of resting in the Lord and searching for your own personal life. So this next week you walk in obedience to him and in love with him. And when you come back next week, who knows what God has in mind? Come in anticipation. Amen? Now go home. Go home. Get out. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.